Coming up today on Emerging Daily. I want to speak to you on uh, the message known by the scars. A scar is evidence of something taking place in your physical body that's a cutting away or a piercing through. But there's other scars. There's scars that are hidden. There's scars that no one can see. There's scars that are in the heart. There's scars that are in the mind. There are scars that are within. And many times those are more painful than the ones that we can see. But I would say to you this morning, each one of us have scars. Every one of us has a scar. Somewhere, whether without or within. And I would say probably all of us have both. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. Today on our show, we're going back in time to approximately 2003, where I was giving a message at uh, is a church I grew up in, actually. It was a Southside Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. And uh, like I said, this is back, I think it's around 2003. And it still applies um, the main points of the message. And so I hope, like I said, that this blesses you. And um, I'll speak with you again here in a little bit. This is Known by the Scars. Father God, we just praise you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your awesomeness, Father. That you're all powerful, Father God. But you're all loving. And God, that you don't threaten us with your power, but you embrace us with your love. And we thank you for that, Father. That you're a daddy. And that you don't provoke your children to wrath, even as the word says for fathers not to provoke their own children to wrath but to love them and to encourage them. And God, we thank You that that's the type of Father that You are. And God, that when You saw us in our lowest estate, that You reached down, Father God, to lift us up. And many times we didn't accept Your hand, Father. But we thank You. And we appreciate You, Father God. We love You. God, we just ask You to anoint Your Word this morning. God, let, don't let the people just see a little boy that was nine or ten years old coming to this church, Father. But let them hear you, not me, Father. God, I just praise you and I thank you for all your blessings, all that you're doing, all that you have done, and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to speak to you on uh, the message, Known by the Scars. Known by the Scars. There was a song that came out several years ago by a man named Michael Card. He's a very prominent Christian songwriter. He's written a lot of songs for Amy Grant and uh, several others. But he wrote a song, and the name of it was Known by the Scars. 
there's one person that, when I said that, that probably most of you thought of, and that would be Jesus. Jesus was known by the scars. And if you will, I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, known by the scars. I hope you brought your Bible because I like to, to go to different places in the Scripture, so we'll be using it quite a bit. John chapter 20, and we're going to start with verse 19. John 20, verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. We give Thomas a bad rap. Everybody says Thomas was doubting Thomas. Well, according to this right here, it says, Then the disciples were glad when? When they saw his hands and his side. So, see, Thomas wasn't, wasn't just someone who said, I'm not, just, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. The disciples didn't really receive Jesus as Jesus until they saw the prince, until they saw the scars. It says, then were the disciples glad when they saw. And that word means they, they understood, they accepted him. They, they really received him as the Lord. Now let's go on to, uh, if you will, down to verse 24. It says, Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he didn't get the opportunity to see the scars. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print in the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Verse 29, Then Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So Jesus was known by the scars. That's how they knew this really is Jesus. This is not someone who's pretending to be Jesus. This is not someone who just happens to sort of favor Jesus in a way. You know, he's got the same features, but is this really him? Has he really risen from the dead? Is this really the Lord Jesus Christ? They saw the prints. They saw the scars. There was evidence of his death in his body. A scar, in layman's terms, a scar is evidence of death. It's evidence, evidence of suffering. A scar is evidence of something taking place in your physical body that's a cutting away or a piercing through. But there's other scars. There's scars that are hidden. There's scars that no one can see. There's scars that are in the heart. There's scars that are in the mind. There are scars that are within. And many times those are more painful than the ones that we can see. But I would say to you this morning, each one of us have scars. Every one of us has a scar. Somewhere, whether without or within. And I would say probably all of us have both. Some scars you can't see very, very easily because maybe they're not quite as big. But if you, maybe they happened when you were a child and you have grown, your physical body has grown and, and the, the scar has gotten smaller, not because necessarily the scar itself has, has shrunken, but because your body has grown. You know, I had, uh, when I was seven, I believe seven, I had a motorcycle wreck. 
I had a puncture in my leg about mid-thigh, and it went all the way to the bone there. And they thought they were going to have to operate and do all this, that, and the other, and to make a long story short, they didn't. But I have a scar there from that. But you can't see it, and I'm not going to show it to you right now. But it's there, trust me. I've got witnesses. But uh, they have seen the scar. But I am known, you know, if, if I died and somebody had to come and identify my body, they would look for certain signs. They would look for scars. They would look for blemishes. They, they would look for certain birthmarks. A lot of times they check your dental records and things. They check certain aspects of you to see if you really are who you're supposed to be. We're known by our scars. And many times in our lives we want to shy away from our scars. We want to not let anybody know that we even have a scar. We want everybody to think, oh, I'm so handsome or I'm so pretty. And, you know, my body, my physical body is perfect. And many times those people are the ones that have the greatest scars within. But they're hidden and no one can see them. But they are who you are. And you cannot be separated from those. You can try to hide them. You can try to put them down and put them away and let no one see them. But that's who you are. And this morning, before we leave here today, I would hope that you would come to some kind of an agreement with God in that you will allow Him to use you as scarred as you are, as marred as you are, for His glory. Because Jesus was a marred individual. It says His visage was marred greater than any man. In other words, His face was beaten and bludgeoned to such an extent that He was unrecognizable. But God used Him. And you may think that your suffering is so great and, and, and that you have gone through so much. You've experienced so much pain. You've experienced so much sin that God cannot use you. But He can. And He wants to. He desires to use you. And if you think that you are so bad and so wretched that God does not love you, I want to tell you something this morning. God loves you. He has already accepted you. He's done all He can do to provide eternal life for you because of that love, because of His compassion, because of His love for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. And let me tell you something else. It doesn't matter what you will do. He still loves you. He still loves you. I want you, if you will, to look in Joshua. The book of Joshua. It's after Deuteronomy. Joshua chapter 5. And while you turn there, I want to share some things with you. There's a certain scar that the Jews were known by. And that scar is called circumcision. I don't want to get into all of what that is, but most of you know what it is. But they were known by that. That's how they established their covenant. Their agreement with God was by making a scar on their body. And that sounds weird to, to a lot of people nowadays because we're not used to that. A covenant was established by the cutting. And God had them do it in a place that was very sensitive, but also a place that defined them as people. It was done in such a way that they wouldn't go around showing everybody, but by the same token, those that, were, that they were most intimate with knew it. And it made them a great nation. They were known by their scar. Now in Joshua chapter, chapter 5 here, I want to start at verse 2 of Joshua chapter 5. It says that, that this is, let me just share a little background with you. They have already passed over the Jordan River. If you remember the story, if you don't, let me just share this. Moses brought God's people out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses is dead. 
Joshua now brings them across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. They're on the edge of the Promised Land looking in, but they really haven't possessed it yet. Now, it says in verse 2 of Joshua chapter 5, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again. And if you will, underline the word again. Circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. This is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. Now listen to this. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. During that 40 years, they died. Now all the people that came out were circumcised. Those that came out from Egypt at that time, were, they had already been circumcised. They were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Verse 6, For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Now, that's a whole lot of Scripture right there. But it says that they, were, that they were circumcised again the second time. But then we go on to see it is not really the same ones that came out from Egypt. It is a whole different bunch of people. It is the fruit of the people that left Egypt. The offspring, the fruit. When the, when the Bible talks about your children, it's talking about your fruit. Now, I don't want to mess up some of your songs or anything like that, but the promised land is not heaven. The promised land is the promises of God. It's the, it's the place that God has prepared for you in His kingdom. It includes heaven, but it's not only heaven. And when they crossed over the Jordan River, they had, first of all, they reestablished their covenant with God. Second of all, they had to make war and cast out the ones that were already there. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you are planning on having a fight when you get to heaven? Anybody? Okay. So that to me shows me right there, if, this were, if heaven were the promised land, then we would need to be preparing for battle when we get to heaven because we've got to cast out a lot of demons out of heaven. Well, that's not right, is it? I mean, Brother Greg, would you, is, is that right? Okay. So what happens, when they came into the promised land, there were all these ites. How many of you are familiar with the ites? We've got all these different ites. Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites, Nehemites, and this, that, and the other ites. These all, if you study it out, and I don't want to get into that right now, but if you study out those words, each one of them has a meaning. And really, if you'll dig into it deeply, they have reference to attitudes, emotions, ways of thinking, all those type of things. When you come into God, when you come into the kingdom of God, the battle is not over. It's really just begun in some senses. But in some ways, Jesus has defeated it. But you have to make it real. Let me share this with you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, He's already provided for your salvation. Salvation belongs to you. But it is not really yours until you take it. The word receive in the Greek means to take it unto yourself. So when you receive salvation, I could stand right here all day and say... Teresa, I'm giving you this Bible. This Bible belongs to you, but it is not going to do you a bit of good until you come up here and get it, is it? So what she has to do, she has to take it and receive it. She has to take it unto herself. The promises of God are the same way. 
It's not going to do you a bit of good to read this book and study it until you appropriate those promises into your own life. It's not going to do you a bit of good to say, praise God, Jesus has provided salvation until you take that and receive it and appropriate it into your life. And you say, yes, Lord, I accept your salvation. I receive that salvation. I will take it and I'll make it real in my life. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for what you've done for me. That's what it takes. Okay, so that's the beginning. But now God wants to deal with you. God wants to change you. And it doesn't always happen just like that. It's a process. I hope you're being blessed by this message today. Um, I just wanted to pause for a minute and tell you that we really are glad that you're listening to Emerging Daily. And we'll get back to the message here in just a second. I just wanted to encourage you to please check out our website, EmergeNashville.org. Thank you. If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bale's Little Country Kitchen is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night all-you-care-to-eat catfish dinner and fixings, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, BellsLebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials and even order delivery. That's BellsLebanon.com. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. Okay, so that's the beginning. But now God wants to deal with you. God wants to change you. And it doesn't always happen just like that. It's a process. The word salvation, if you'll look at it and study it, it's a progressive term. You have been saved. And yes, I believe in eternal security. You have been saved. You're going to heaven. You've got your ticket. Praise God. But don't just sit there and wait on it. The word means you have been saved. You are being saved. God is working on you right now, bringing more of, of your life into Him, into His kingdom, into the body of Christ. He's wanting to take and make you more like Him. And if you sit there and you say, well, I can't be like Him, then you're di disputing the very Word of God. No, you can't on your own, but if you will allow Him to change you, yes, sir, you can. Yes, ma'am, you can. And I've seen people in my life that I can look at them and I can say, that person is Jesus to me. That person looks just like Jesus. Now, they might not look like that all the time, but there are times when people have seen Jesus in you many times, maybe. Well, He wants that more and more and more. He wants you to be like Him. If you've never accepted Him as your Savior, I'm going to tell you something. You can. You can. And you're not too bad. You're not too low. You're never too low that God can't reach down to you. He already has. So the, the Jews were known by the cutting away of the flesh. Well, that happened when they were born. When they, uh, when they established their covenant with God. So when you were born again, there was a cutting away. The old man from the new man. You were born again. There's a new person on the inside of you. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be in it too long to know there's two people in there. There's the old man and the new man. And they're constantly at war. They're battling between one another. Well, all of us have things in our life that we think are good. And we all have things in our life that we think are bad. We all know we've got to get rid of the bad stuff, right? That's no secret. 
But let me tell you something else. Sometimes God wants to do away with some of the good things so He can get on to some better things, and then He'll get rid of the better things so He can get on to the best things. And there's a constant cutting away of the flesh. And we don't like it. But it makes us who we are. And it makes us who God wants us to be. Because He's wanting to cut away from you some of those things that you're trying and desperately holding on to He's wanting to get rid of. And it may be something that you love. It may be something that even God used in your life at one time. It may even be, and I'm not talking about a husband-wife relationship, but it may even be a relationship between you and a friend or you and someone else that God used at one time. But now He's saying that's dead. I want to get rid of it. I want to move you on to something else. Don't hold on to those things. Allow God to cut away the flesh and make you who He has created you and destined you to be. And you can't just sit there day in and day out in your home or in the church or wherever you are and expect God to just do it all. There's a responsibility that you have. And you have to be obedient. And the word, the, praise, praise you, Jesus. He will speak to you. I know many of you took the experience in God class. You know God can speak to you. And too many times we get on our faces and we cry, Oh God, if it be your will. And sometimes He's already showed you His will and He's tired of you asking Him. And He's saying, How many more times am I going to have to tell you? And you say, Oh God, if it's your will. And He's saying, It is. I've been telling you for two years now. It's my will for you to do this thing or to get rid of this thing. How many more times are you going to have? It's time that we begin to accept the fact that we have a responsibility to do what God tells us to do when He tells us to do it. And don't just be pretending to be ignorant of the fact, God, I don't know your will. This book right here is full of the will of God. And you can know God's will. How do you think I'm standing here right now? I know God's will for certain things. Now, there are times I don't know. But praise God, I can ask Him. And He's a daddy. And the Bible says to me, He will withhold nothing good from me. And His will is good. So if you want to know, ask Him. But don't just keep on wondering when He tells you. Act on it. Move on it. And right now, there's some of you that God may be saying, I want, to, I want to bring you into my kingdom. Don't just sit there and think, God, is that really you? Yes, it is Him. He desires you to be in His kingdom so He can use you. He has put you on this earth, if for no other reason than to bring Him glory. God loves you so much. Love that's truly understanding that is godly is a love that desires to be given. God didn't have to create you. But He did it because He so loved that He wanted to bestow that love on you. You're precious. You're so precious. If you could receive that and understand that, God created you for no other reason than the fact that He wants to pour out love on you. You are a vessel for God's love to be poured into. He made you for that. He didn't have to create you. And your mom and dad had nothing to do with it. And if you don't believe me, look at all the married couples that have no children. It's not them. God has a plan. And you're no accident. God wanted somebody that He could put His love into. And so He created you. He only wants to love you. And if you will receive that love, it will change you. It will change you. I want to read you something. Email is a wonderful thing. This was sent to me in email a couple of years ago. And I had forgotten, actually, that I even had it. And then a friend of mine, I had emailed it to them. And I was sharing with them what I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on today. And they said, oh, I've got something that someone emailed me. And it was this right here. And I had actually been the one that emailed it to them and, and had forgotten it. But listen to this. It says, One day a young man was standing in the middle of the town, proclaiming that he had the most beautiful heart in the whole valley. A large crowd gathered, and they all admired his heart, for it was perfect. 
There was no mark or flaw in it. Yes, they all agreed it was truly the most beautiful heart they had ever seen. The young man was very proud and boasted more loudly about his beautiful heart. Then suddenly, an old man appeared at the front of the crowd and said, Why, your heart is not nearly as beautiful as mine. The crowd and the young man looked at the old man's heart. It was beating strongly, but it was full of scars. It had places where pieces had been removed and other pieces put in. But they didn't quite fit right, and there were several jagged edges. In fact, in some of the places, there were deep gouges where whole pieces of his heart were missing. The people stared. How can he say his heart is more beautiful, they thought. The young man looked at the old man's heart and saw its state and laughed. You must be joking, he said. Compare your heart with mine. Mine is perfect. Yours is a mess of scars and tears. Yes, the old man said. Yours is perfect looking, but I would never trade with you. You see, every scar represents a person to whom I have given my love. And I tear out a piece of my heart and give it to them. And they often give me a piece of their heart which fits into the empty place in mine. But because the pieces aren't exact, I have some rough edges which I cherish because they remind me of the love that we shared. Sometimes I've given pieces of my heart and the other person hasn't returned his piece or her piece. These are the empty gouges. Giving love takes a chance. It's taking a chance. Although these gouges are painful, they stay open, reminding me of the love that I have for these people too. And I hope someday they will return and fill the space that I have waiting for their love. So now do you see what true beauty is? The young man stood silently with tears running down his cheeks. And he walked up to the old man and he reached into his perfect, young and beautiful heart and ripped a piece out. He offered it to the old man with trembling hands. The old man took his offering and placed it in his heart, then took a piece of his old scarred heart and placed it in the wound in the young man's heart. It fit, but not perfectly, as there were some jagged edges. The young man looked at his heart, not perfect anymore, but more beautiful than ever, since the love from the old man's heart flowed into his. They embraced and walked away side by side. And it says, how sad it must be to go through life with a whole heart. If you've ever loved, you have scars. And they make you who you are. Don't be ashamed of the scars that you have in your life. Don't be ashamed that God has allowed in your life to make you and bring you where you are today. They may even be scars on your body, but I'm more talking about the scars in your heart. But don't, don't be ashamed. Because God loves you. And it's making you into His image. Jesus was perfect, but He was scarred. God wants to use the things that have happened in your life to bring you closer to Him and closer to His body, to His people. Will you let Him? Will you let Him do that? Will you let Him use you? Don't let the things that you have suffered and endured in your life be something that was done in vain. The Bible says that all things work together for the good to them who are called according to His purpose. Them that love God and are called according to His purpose. If you will allow God to take the things that you have endured in your life, if you will allow Him to take those things, give them to Him, even as the Jews, as the children of Israel, gave unto Him their scar. Give it unto God. And allow Him to use it to bring you closer to Him and closer to His body. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, He's asking you to today. He's saying, I love you. And I gave my life for you. I laid it down. But I took it up again so that I could be with you. So that I could be for you. And God is for you. God's never against you. And sometimes it may seem like all hell's against you. Well, it is. 
But I'm going to tell you something. All heaven is for you. If you'll just allow God to do and to have His will in your life. We're going to have a hymn of invitation in a moment. Brother Greg will be here. I'll be here. And we have others if we need them that can be here to pray with you if you need us. You don't have to have us. You can come up here and just pray. If you have some things in your life that you've never really given to God and you've never really said, God, use this somehow, some way. Use it. Do it today. Come up here and, and lay it out the altar and say, God, use it for Your glory, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you something. Even the things that we think are bad, God can use for good. And even the, the sin in our life that, that caused us to be separated from God, now that, now that we have been changed, God can allow those experiences in our life to minister to someone else who is dealing with that. If you will give it to Him. If you'll give it to Him. So, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank You, Father. We thank You for the scars that are evident in Jesus. God, we thank You for the suffering that He endured on our behalf, Father. God, He didn't have to, but love takes a chance. And love endures, Father. And God, we thank You for it. Lord, if there's anyone here that has never accepted the salvation that You freely offered to them, God, I ask that they will today. Holy Spirit, just minister to them, deal with them. But God, there are many that are here that have accepted, that have accepted You, Father God. They've been born again. And God, some of them have been wandering around in the wilderness. And now You're saying it's time to go in and, and inherit the promises that You've prepared for them. But there is a cutting away again in their life that is necessary for them to go on with You. God, allow them this morning to come up here and make that right. Deal with them, Holy Spirit. Deal with me. God, we just ask that You have Your will at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. All right, so we hope that you were blessed today by our podcast, Emerging Daily, and hope you'll listen again tomorrow. Tell a friend or two or three, some family members, and help spread the word about our podcast and about our ministry, Emerge Nashville. Um, Don't forget to check out our website, EmergeNashville.org, and um, pray about getting involved and and, uh, about our upcoming worship and teaching times. Um, we're still looking for some places to do that as well. We're hoping to find some some venues that we can use because we really do not want to look into leasing or purchasing anywhere right now. We just want to find some temporary places scattered around that are convenient for people to come and where they would feel comfortable. So again, look at our website. There's more information about that there. And listen, be sure to listen tomorrow. And starting next week, we will um, begin looking at some new topics, um, some brand new topics, and how those things relate to some things that are going on in our nation and in our world. So again, thank you for listening today. God bless you. listening today and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com and please consider donating on our website EmergeNashville.org or write to Emerge PO Box 3242 
Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.